Welcome to We Are The Protectors, I'm Andy Johnson, and in this series of podcasts, I chat to some of the BT security team to learn more about their role and more about the role BT plays in keeping the nation safe. In this episode, I'm joined by Safia Azizan. Safia is a penetration tester, otherwise known as a white hat hacker in BT's offensive security team. It's her job to break into BT networks and those of its customers to find their security vulnerabilities and help BT remove them before someone else exploits them. Sophia, this sounds absolutely fascinating. Now, white hat hacker is also known by the term ethical hacker, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So then you've got to do the baddies role in a way and to see just how BT can protect itself. Yeah, so my job is to find flaws in a system or a network or a device uh, before the bad guys do. And the ultimate goal to this is to highlight these vulnerabilities to the owner of the system and advise them on how they can fix the issues. So going going back to what you said earlier, we do the attacking, but not the fixing. Um, Saying that, we do work with other teams in BT that help support our customers on how they can improve their overall security. And what I mean by customers, usually it is BT, but we are offering more of our services to other organizations as well. I do love the phrase ethical hacker. It does sound like a contradiction in terms. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's um, usually there's a stigma um, around hackers, but now it's kind of a acceptable position to be in. So I guess then the challenge for you is to get into the mind of a hacker, but the excitement and the challenge is that things are changing all the time, including the way they try and hack. Uh, Yeah, so, um, well, the first thing um, to think about is how an attacker finds their target. Um, Sometimes they don't have a specific target in mind. So if a device has an IP address facing the internet, It's a potential target already on its own. But how do you know which one will the hacker attack? You, well, they usually go for the weakest link. So you find the most vulnerable, easy to hack targets on the internet. And you can do that by simply scanning a device to see what services it's running. Um, Either um, looking into like what kind of server it is. Is it a mail server? Is it a web server or does it have something like SSH or secure shell in which you can potentially brute force your way into it? All right, so you can find out what version of operating system the target is running. And so once you know that, you can try reported vulnerabilities against them with the hopes that they aren't patched. So that's usually like how an attacker finds their targets on the internet. And... Uh, well, we, we try to replicate what the attacker d- does um, in how we carry out our pen testing methods as well. Is it a role you really enjoy? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, well, it's, it's kind of rewarding when you get to find a big flaw in the system. And I also find it like rewarding to be able to educate people and make a significant difference to how they do things for their own good. You don't get the same level of satisfaction from catching a hacker, but every day that goes by without BT or our customers in the headlines for the wrong reasons, it's a win for us. You've never been tempted to go rogue then, have you, and become a hacker? No, not really. (laughs) 
I try to bite the law in any way I can. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. How did you get into this in the first place? Was it a job advert? I kind of stumbled into this and it all goes back to my final year of my bachelor's when I didn't know what I wanted to do for my final year project. Um, To give you a bit of context, I don't have an information security background. I was working towards my um, electronics and computer engineering degree and The problem was I was losing my interest in electronics and engineering in general. And um, so so during your final year, uh, well, during my final year, I had to choose a topic from a list. And I went for the topic of penetration testing and iOS device. And for two reasons. One was because I did pretty well in the computer and networking module. And another is because... I was basically just interested in playing with an iPhone. (laughs) Now, before you judge me, this was back in the early days when iPhones were way ahead of their competition and I was a broke student, right? So I'd never be able to afford one. And I know that if my supervisor had phrased the topic differently, like to say hacking an iPhone, there would be a beeline out of his office. So it was the thought of you being able to get your hands on an iPhone that really got you going. Yeah, exactly. It's the technology that always like draws me into this field to start with. Um, And actually, my project changed from pen testing an iOS device to pen testing a Linux server. So you can't you can't say that I stayed because of an iPhone. Um, (laughs) But that was my first taste of pen testing. And even though I was working on a Linux server instead of an iOS device, it opened my eyes to this whole new field. Um, the kind of problems it has and how I can get paid to do something that's, like you said, otherwise illegal for the greater good. So, which sounds pretty cool. It does sound really cool. So tell me about your team, how many people are in it and what kind of different roles they actually perform. Right. There's quite a lot of us in the offensive security team. There's around 80 to 90 people across the UK, Europe. Asia and the US and we do a variety of different things. Um, first of all, you've got us, the pen testers, and we've talked about what we do. But what people might not know is that there's different fields of pen testing. Uh, there's infrastructure or network testing, hardware, mobile, wireless, to name a few. Depending on your interests and skills, you may choose to specialize in one or two fields or try to be like a jack of all trades, but there's a lot of garden work to cover if you want to choose to do that. We've also got people who do a kind of stealthier version of pen testing who are a part of a team called the Red Team. <clears throat> so Red Teamers are um, similar to pen testers in many ways, but it's more targeted and compared to pen testing, um, not ev- everyone on the target platform knows that you are testing them. So what that means is for red teaming, the highest stakeholders of a company might be the one inviting you in, but the network administrators may have no idea that someone's being paid to attack them. It's like a game of um, cat and mouse. 
Uh, so the red team has to... It sounds like something out of a Hollywood movie to me. I've got visions of you all tapping away <laughs> in a darkened room with all sorts of things going on. No, I have... Um, yeah, I, I always do my work in a bright, brightly lit room on my pink keyboard. <laughs> um, oh, never mind. That's my stereotype going out the window. Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, there's, there's those kind of people as well, like in, in the hacker community. But um, there's quite a lot of different variety of people that work in this industry now, right? Um, so with these red teamers, uh, what you do is you have to get in and access sensitive information in any way that they can as quietly as possible. Um, yeah, so my team does sound like we're hacking 24-7, but that's not really the case. Uh, most of the testers also do research and develop tools or processes that would make our future testing life easier and of course you don't do the actual fixing do you no, it's not your job to do that no no so we pass on um when we find something uh for example on bt's infrastructure what we do then is pass it on to our um team like sister teams in the bt security department like the security operations team and they would then go and contact the owners of the platforms to get these things remediated. Tell me, with this being in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, it's dramatically altered the way we go about our daily lives. And of course, online activity has gone right through the roof. How has that changed the way you go about your daily lives? In terms of how we work, I didn't feel much of a difference, really, because most of the people in my team are home workers to start with. And I myself have the flexibility to either work in an office or at home. And pen testers in general can basically work from anywhere with a reliable, secure internet connection. Unless we're called to do work in like data centers and other on-site jobs that require us to travel. right? So most of those jobs have been postponed, but which um, it gives us the time to focus on other jobs that can be done remotely. So I think we've been pretty lucky with the whole corona situation. But looking at things from a professional perspective, though, we've heard all the time about how cyber hackers are now trying to hack into places like universities and institutions that are even looking for solutions to, to COVID-19. And, and, and maybe things are happening in a very life-threatening way. I wonder if this has changed what you do and how you approach your work. So we look at these kind of attacks that are happening in the world and we try to emulate them as best as we can. So that's how we do to protect uh, BT and the customers. So uh, with, uh, with most companies, what happens is that they tend to, they, they are forced to react to the threats um, that the hackers expose, right? And this is understandably a sensible approach since it's really hard to predict what new threats will be unleashed on your system. Um, plus, if you've got all your software and hardware updated, you have no need to worry, right? But uh, uh, this kind of highlights the importance of what our team does. Uh, we split our efforts between protecting BT and doing like commercial testing engagements. But in both situations, we are helping companies take the proactive stance rather than being reactive. So by assessing their vulnerabilities, we help them be like one step ahead of hackers by reducing the probability of being compromised. And again, we 
test these um, our customer systems depending on what's hot at the moment. So b- back then when ransomware hit, uh, we tried to look at like mal- malicious activities going on in the network, like what kind of phishing emails are being circulated in the company, things like that. So in the best possible way, if a big hacking scandal breaks, the company itself holds its head in its hands, but you're they're almost licking your lips, rubbing your hands together, saying, let me at it. Let me see if I can solve what's going. Let me see what they've actually done. Yeah, that's basically what the kind of mindset that we are trained to have. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. I'm interested to get your answer on this. What do you think a hacker's mindset actually is? How do you actually try and get inside their heads and work out what's going on. Okay, so with hackers, sometimes they don't have a specific target in mind. And if a device has an IP address facing the internet, it's already a potential target on its own. But how do you know which ones that they attack? You go for the weakest link, okay? You can you find the most vulnerable, easy to hack targets on the internet. And you can do that by simply scanning the device to see what services it's running. So it, uh, um, by doing that, you might know that it's probably a web server or that if it's a mail server. But, and scanning is a way for us to basically diagnose the state of a device. And literally anyone on the internet can do that. So tell me about a really interesting situation you've been in, obviously without betraying any confidences and, and how you tackled it. Most organizations um, actually like build their platform around um, something called Active Directory. Um, Active Directory, or AD for short, um, manages every single user and computer in an organization. So AD contains employee names, addresses, phone numbers, and so in that case, it is like a phone directory, but with so much more. Um, AD also holds crucial information like your password on and what kind of rights you've got on systems in the company. So AD is like a treasure trove of data for hackers. In fact, um, a lot of massive data breaches was a result from stolen AD password hashes, which was then cracked. So when you're doing pen testing, it's not like a straight line. So So I'm visualising somebody here in a restaurant (laughs) with a menu, licking their lips, thinking, what shall I go for? That's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking of you when you're thinking, Uh what shall I try and do? How shall I try and hack in here? What shall I try? Yeah, that's one way to put it. So looking at the menu is like when you're from an outside perspective, you're scanning the device and you're seeing what services the specific system is running, right? And then, uh, so what I've explained before about like how you, uh, from knowing what services are running to actually breaking into the web application, it's like you going straight to the kitchen <laughs> and fixing yourself up a, your own meal. Yeah, you get me hungry yeah. there talking about that. <laughs> me too. It's absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. And I wonder how then you're going to learn and develop and how you improve your skills and, and stay in touch with development in your sector. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so working in this team, I learn something new every day. And I know that is a very overused word nowadays, but, but it is true. So the very first day I joined the team, I had to do some social engineering, which is fun by the sounds of it. it it's basically Facebook stalking our targets and building a kind of profile. 
Um, I learned to pay attention to details I've never cared about, but still, um, that that sounds pretty easy, right? But the next day, I had to run Linux kernel uh, escalation exploits. So, just to break it down to you, um, imagine a computer and kernels are the main part of an operating system, which helps a computer's um, hardware communicate. I'm with, with you, I'm with you, I'm trying software. to stay with you, keep yeah, going. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, and privilege escalation is when you're able to elevate yourself from being a normal user to having admin rights. And once you do, you basically own uh, the machine, uh, which is a huge win for hackers, but uh, most of the time it is also the jackpot. Um, but this required me to do source code review and running code in C language, which at that time was well outside of my comfort zone. But fortunately for me, I had two things to go to, um, Google <laughs> and a, a very knowledgeable, supportive team. Um, so I had to learn a lot of things on the go and I still do because every time we get a new pen test request, we have to learn how the network is structured. For example, what kind of technologies they are running and what are the possible attacking vectors on the platform? Because you only do a good job of pen testing once you know what you're testing. That makes sense, right? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's slightly worrying and slightly fascinating to me that you're like the rest of us. You go to Google when you want to try and find something yeah, out. Yeah, but I do, um, I do learn a lot um, just by doing my job. Uh, but occasionally, I do have some structured learning, like workshops hosted by you know external guests and sometimes people in my own team where we do some skill sharing. And uh, most of this, most of the time, this happens during like conferences, security conferences. I attend to. Uh, like 44Con that happens in London every year, and uh, B-Sides. Um, so these kind of conferences is a good way to know what other people are doing in the industry, the latest technology, um, security tools, and hacking technologies, right? But what are of the course, other big challenges that you and your team mm -hmm. are trying to tackle at the moment? You may have heard this before, but humans are the weakest link in information security. So no matter how shiny and expensive your database server is, it doesn't help if you can log in with the username, admin, and password 12345, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, I get you. And so users are always going to be the biggest challenge in securing an organization. And with users, it requires a bit of educating and policing. Um, we've had several initiatives over the years to do this. Uh, we've updated our password policy so that users are guided to use a stronger password that's harder to crack. We've, uh, we've launched our own phishing campaign and educate those that fall victims to it. We've educated our employees to challenge people that we do not recognize in our buildings, things like that. Hmm. So saying that, it's not just about the organization. We also want to protect our people, you know, our employees and our customers from having their identity stolen or being scammed or being blackmailed, um, just like the famous WannaCry ransomware attack, you know. So improving user behavior um, in a security perspective is always in our minds. Especially at the moment when so many more people are working from home. Oh, yeah, definitely. So there's like extra security measures that you have to um, carry out. But it's a good thing as well that um, a lot of people are confined 
to their own homes, so they can't just go to a Wi-Fi uh, to to a to a coffee shop and use the public Wi-Fi there while doing sensitive um, work for BT. <laughs> How frustrated do you get with, say, a friend or a family member that they're not so good on this password thing? They use a birthday or a pet's name. <laughs> Are you continually saying to them, "That's not good enough. That's not safe." Yes, I do that, but also I wasn't exactly security savvy before joining the team. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned a few things um, to use in my personal life along the way. Of course, passwords is always an issue, and you know, like the the biggest takeaway that I took um, from like my three years of being in the team is that your online profile is as strong as your weakest password. You're listening to BT's "We Are the Protectors" podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. I'll just ask you about yourself and your role. Do you see yourself or do you not want to be seen as a role model? Because we know there are so few women working in cybersecurity in this area and certainly even fewer from BAME backgrounds. You're a Muslim yourself. Is it something you're conscious of and do you see yourself as a role model? I... I didn't even think that it was a challenge to start with <laughs> um, because like from university um, back in Malaysia, where I'm from, um, 80% of people, uh, students in the engineering faculty were women instead of men, which is, which is mind blowing to some people. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I came here to the UK and I've been involved in some like STEM activities, I didn't quite understand like why we need to uh, motivate girls to do engineering, but I guess like it just doesn't come or it's it's probably like a community thing. So if if people put me as their role model, then th that's a good thing. But I don't think that I'm anywhere like special. <laughs> if well, yeah. it's a massive cultural difference, isn't it? Coming from your home to where so many women are working in this area to coming over here, whether the numbers are so tiny. Yeah, and um, but also like I didn't feel out of place because I grew up with two brothers, <laughs> and um, I'm I'm kind of being uh, I'm kind of used to uh, w working with men in general. So um, and fighting your corner. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I I tr I try to do my best in anything that I do anyway. So I try. Um, and thankfully, in my team, I don't feel like there's like an, a gender issue involved. And um, I think like most parts of BT is like that to start with. So it, it sounds like you've got a really interesting and fascinating job. But I wonder how you deal with the pressure of knowing that what you do is so important and can affect so many people. In any job that you work in, you have expectations from both yourself and from people you work with, right? Yeah. Um, and as a pen tester, people want you to guarantee the security of their systems. Now, a pen testers are provided with specific instructions about what networks and systems that they will be testing and when they can do the test. So they're bound to these kind of restrictions. But hackers, on the other hand, have both um, the luxury of picking whatever they want to attack and however long as they like. So before we start a pen test, we make sure that the customer and system owners are aware of the risk. And once both the testers and system owners accept the fact, 
Um, it takes a whole load of pressure from both sides. What's next for you then? You love your job, you find it stimulating and exciting. What's the career path? Okay, so I think there's still a lot for uh, um, myself to learn in pen testing. I currently do a lot of web application and infrastructure testing um, as well um, uh, as dabbling in a bit of hardware testing as well. But um, perhaps I'd like to also look into like mobile testing and wireless um, uh, just to get a gist of what kind of field that I would like to specialize in in the future. Who would have thought, A, eh, that wanting to get your hands on one of the first iPhones would lead to where you are now? <laughs> Yeah, it's always like those kind of um, turning point moments uh, that happens when it's the most unpredictable ones. I'd love to know how you relax. It's a very intense job. You're staring at a screen all day. How do you get away from all that? What do you do? Um, okay, so with pen testing, I think like I engage the logical side of my brain. Um, so when I'm not working, I tend to do like more creative stuff like um, taking photos or uh, baking which I, which I really enjoy and cooking and um, that that helps me um, like, kind of like s switching off from the electronics as well because um, I don't like to stare at my screens um, outside of office working hours. <laughs> so could we be seeing you on the Great British Bake Off in the future? Oh no I, okay I, I can handle the prep pressure of being a pen tester but I cannot handle the pressure of being on TV and baking um, something that like uh, Mary Berry uh, would approve of. <laughs> I love that you don't mind the pressure of trying to stop a hacker but you can't stand the pressure of trying to bake the perfect yeah, cake. Yeah I, I can't I can't. <laughs> and finally there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast who maybe want to get into the industry the way you did not not long ago and particularly I wonder what your advice would be to young women who want to do the same follow the same path as you. I think uh, that there are a lot of like online resources, for example, um, cybrary.it and um, online virtual um, hacking labs like um, Hack in the Box, in which you can um, try and test your skills and learn how to do like basic web application or network hacking, just to get a feel of what uh, pen testing entails and uh, uh, so that's that's one place to start but um, if you're looking for something like a structured learning you could also like invest in like certain certifications studying towards a certification like um, OSCP which is Offensive Security Certified Professional and it is a well-known um, qualification in the offensive security field and once you have that, it kind of like proves to future employers that you have what it takes to be persistent in being a pen tester. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolutely fascinating subject. It really is something I'm sure we could have talked about for hours and hours and hours and people will find absolutely amazing and fascinating. So thank you so much. Let's have a deal. When this whole lockdown is over, I'll be the first one to knock on your door and be testing out the latest cake or biscuits. What do you say to that? Okay, yeah, you're welcome to do that. And thank you for having me as well. Thank you so much. You've been listening to We Are The Protectors with me, Andy Johnson. My thanks to Sophia Azizam for joining me today. Look out for the next episode when I'll be chatting to Tris Morgan, BT's Director of Global Security Consulting, 
and discovering what keeps them awake at night. If you've been inspired to learn more about security roles at BT, check out the careers website at bt.com forward slash security career. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.